If you have a smart speaker, you have access to the entire world of NPR and St. Louis Public Radio. All the latest news and all the captivating stories. Activate our voices with yours by telling your smart speaker to play St. Louis Public Radio. From St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. Uh, and that upset a lot of people, but it's First Amendment, free speech. Uh, and frankly, as a newsman, I think it's one of the things that makes it kind of fun. So I got to just ask you point blank, is Webster Groves the queen of the suburbs? It depends on what city I'm in. I'm in Kirkwood. <laughs> uh, I have to change my tune. You know, they made it look materialistic, that everybody's on the make, that all the kids have to toe the line so they can get good grades to go to great colleges. Meantime, they're ignoring what's going on around them. They're not protesting the Vietnam War. They're not engaged in civil rights. Uh, the parents came off pretty stodgy. Uh, but I, but, but Do you I, think that was accurate, this, this portrayal in that documentary? Oh, yeah. I'm Sarah Fenske. I don't think it's a bad thing for a town to be engaged in a little bit of self-analysis. Webster Groves has been called the queen of the suburbs. Actually, it's more accurate to say that some Webster Groves boosters call Webster Groves the queen of the suburbs. So does it deserve the title? Well, few people are better equipped to answer that question than Don Corrigan. The longtime journalist was editor of the Webster Kirkwood Times for four decades. And now his eighth book digs deeply into the community's history and lore. It's called Amazing Webster Groves. It's out now from Reedy Press and Don Don Corrigan joins us today. Don, welcome. Well, thanks. I'm glad to be here. Glad to talk about Webster Groves. That's right. This is a great topic for yeah. you. Great topic a lot of people have some interest in. So I got to just ask you point blank. Is Webster Groves the queen of the suburbs? It depends on what city I'm in. I'm in Kirkwood. <laughs> uh, I have to change my tune. <laughs> That's a hard job to be editor of the Webster Kirkwood Times, oh, right? I, great I love rivalry. That. I love that controversy, though, because yeah. Webster and Kirkwood go after each other. It's good-natured, but they go after each other on things like that. Are they? Which one's the real Tree City USA? I love that one, That's too. a great controversy. Yeah. So tell me this. What do you think is the single greatest thing about Webster Groves? What is the thing that ain't so great? Where could Kirkwood get the leg up? Well, I'm biased, naturally, because I'm an educator, and so I just love Education Row. I mean, when you talk about Webster Groves High School, and you look across the street, there's Eden Seminary, then there's Webster University. Uh, then a little further down is Narex. It's uh, all right there. Yeah, and and they're all beautiful buildings. They have history, and I love their mascots because their mascots are so bizarre. So that's one of the reasons why I had to include a, a section on their mascots. Yeah, it was great in this book learning about the Gorlock because I gotta admit I'd always wondered what up with the Gorlock. <laughs> Yes, a lot of people wonder what what up with the Gorlock. So I include in there uh, all the all the student editors because I advise the Webster University newspaper, and they have all written about the Gorlock because, if nothing else, the sports program's distinguished by the weirdest mascot in America. It's always in the top ten. Yeah. So. Yeah. You gotta love that. So you're digging into this is you. You have some serious history in here, and I learned a lot about who was Lockwood. Why are steamboat captains settling in a landlocked suburb? But you also are really having a lot of fun in this book. 
Yes, it's it's a fun book, and I love the cover because you know they have Phyllis Diller and the, they have the Gorlock and they have the the Narex, uh Olympic soccer champ, and of course they have that big mouth Harry Carey. Uh-huh. Uh, He's my a native. Sh- my Chicago friends lose their minds when I tell them. Hey, Harry's ours, and it's not just St. Louis's. He's Webster Groves, yeah. Because you know they've spent years singing "Take Me Out to the Ball Game" and all that with Harry. And yeah. I said we we were into that. We're, we're way ahead of you on that, you know, here in St. Louis. That's right. Harry yeah. was here first. Yeah, I mean, you're really having some fun with this cover. It has like a tabloid feel to this. It, you know, under where it says "Amazing Webster Groves," it says featuring "Lady with the Chair of Bowlies," <laughs> "Fastest Man in America," and baseball's "Holy Cow" announcer. You're kind of signaling to people this is not your staid history book well you know it's kind of a lure to get people into the pages but i I think if if you have a chance to look at it like the chapter two is just all about north webster and black history yeah which i'm very sensitive to right now with juneteenth coming up yeah you really dig into there's there's a dark side here this is not just everybody's leafiest pretty suburb i mean this was a place where you you talk about the douglas school Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but you know the town that's one of the things I really admire about Webster Groves is they're thoughtful people. And, and, and you really see that when you go through all the chapters of the personality profiles that I do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's not their proudest moment. But it's not the proudest moment for the country. Yeah. But the good thing about Webster Groves is they face up to that history. They teach that history. They're not afraid to talk about it. And that's one of the things I love about the people there. So I got to talk about one part of more recent history. This is something that was one of the first things as an outsider I learned about Webster Groves, and that is this documentary, 16 in Webster Groves. CBS News came to town, <laughs> filmed the students there, and this set off what appears to be a controversy that still simmers today. It goes on forever. About three weeks ago, there was a class reunion from that very time, uh, 66, 67, and uh <laughs> they're still sore about it. You know? So and they what st- made this such a huge controversy? Well, you know, I think CBS maybe came in with a little bit of a, a pre-agenda, you know, that this is a, a rich suburb, but as it was back then, mm-hmm. uh, it was in the top three in St. Louis as far as income. And so, you know, they made it look materialistic, that everybody's on the make, that all the kids have to toe the line so they can get good grades to go to great colleges. Uh, meantime, they're ignoring what's going on around them. The, they're not protesting the Vietnam War. They're not engaged in civil rights. Uh, the parents came off pretty stodgy. Uh, but I, but do you I, think that was accurate? This this portrayal in that documentary. Oh yeah, I, I I actually do, and you know I get a lot of pushback on that. But I don't think it's a bad thing for a town to be engaged in a little bit of self-analysis, you know? Yeah. You know, and, and uh, I think it had a big impact on them, and I think it was a positive impact. It kind of changed. It's It, it had to think about these issues after it was kind of exposed this way. Exactly. And and uh, But I get a kick out of the the, the uh, old-timers who just can't let it go. Yeah. So, if, you know, 20 years ago, Dan Rather was in town doing the presidential election thing, interviewing people on the street, and this lady got in his face, pointing her finger at him, and she goes, that 16 and Webster Rose was, didn't, wasn't fair to us. And, and poor Rather, he finally had to say, 
lady, the statute of limitations has run out on that. <laughs> I love that. I mean, he's, he's good with a quip. But I think it's a real question. You know, when we put out this morning on social media that we were going to talk to you, we're trying to stir up maybe a little conversation here, asked if Webster Groves was indeed the queen of the suburbs. Uh, we got a response from Tom. He grew up in U City, but he lived in Webster from 2003 to 2013. He writes this on Twitter. Have you seen 16 in Webster Groves? It felt to me like a lot of that remained. And again, he was there decades later. Uh, Tom continues, I met a lot of people who'd grown up in Webster Groves and never left or came back to raise their families. Some of them still referred to the area off Rock Hill Road north of Lockwood as quote unquote Brown Town. There was definitely a Delmar-like divide between North Webster Groves and South Webster Groves. Some black white, much liberal slash conservative, YMCA slash country club. Take your pick. Tom adds maybe things have changed since I left. So we want to hear from you. Has Webster changed? Is Webster the queen of the suburbs? What makes it great? What makes it not so great? You can call us at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. You can also send us a tweet at STL on air. What do you think of what Tom was saying about those divides? Do you see those today? I think you got to go back in history and and see what happened when, you know, along uh, Marshall and Gore. I mean, when the plantations ended and the, the blacks moved down to the bottom of the hill. They were they were kind of pushed there, mm-hmm. but they did so much with that area, and they become a, you know an important part of the community. And there isn't as much of that divide as there was. I mean, back in the Douglas School days, there was segregation. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, when when Brown v. Board happened, then slowly, but it took it was painful. It was painful for both sides. Yeah. But I think they've. I think overall, if you look at the big picture, they've made so much progress. Um, and, uh, but I don't think they want, you should forget the history. I don't think yeah. you should forget the the, the sad parts. Um, that's one thing. Sixteen Webster Groves did. They interviewed the two black students uh, who gave them their opinions, and not everybody liked it. I mean, but but if you want to talk about you know incorporating systematic racism, when uh, the football player said, you know, um, I really like playing football because. Beneath all this helmet and all the, you know, all this uniform stuff, they can't tell what color I am. So, mm. and I, I'm thinking, if anybody doubts that there's such a thing as systematic racism, that a kid can incorporate that in himself. Yeah. Now, I think that's we're over that period in Webster, Webster Groves High School. But you know, it takes time. Yeah, progress takes time. Something else we heard on social media, people talking about this idea of um, Webster sort of standing athwart history and and saying, stop, Jim writes on Twitter, uh, less the queen of of suburbs and more the queen of opposing any and all development. (laughs) Is that sort of nimby spirit alive and well in Webster? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But, you know, I think they're very thoughtful about what they want. They're very nervous about keeping their character. Yeah. And the latest development that came in on Gore and Lockwood, that, I mean... That it was, was a big development. They said, we don't want to be Clayton. Yeah. We don't want these tall buildings here. So I, I think you have to re- respect that. Um, and, and I also think that they were conscious of the history of developments and the fact that there's going to be all this water runoff into the North Webster area. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that goes back to their sort of sensitivity to... Uh, to the fact that they have this historic community and, and they don't want it to leave. Yeah. They don't want gentrification. It's a part of the town. They're proud of the folks that, that are there. Uh, yeah. They get along. Uh, not all the time, but but um, as part of what makes Webster Groves what it is. 
But it's interesting driving around today. Um, you certainly don't see, um, you know, that these smaller starter homes have been bulldozed. They've been preserved. Like you can still see a, a home that, you know, has a, a bath and a half as opposed to, I don't know, there's perhaps other suburbs where it feels like you're oh, yeah. seeing six bathrooms in every big McMansion along right, the street. Right. Do you feel like that goes sort of part and parcel with that same idea they want to preserve this community what it has been? And oh my gosh, I admire them because I had one of those houses in Kirkwood and between raking those leaves on those huge trees and, you know, keeping up with plumbing that's 50 years old, I admired the Webster Groves folks. Um, it's good for the hardware stores too. <laughs> that is Because true. it's a lot of work to preserve that community and keep it looking like it is. Yeah, know? and it does look good. So you wrote something interesting in the foreword to this book. You wrote, this town takes itself pretty seriously. Was that hard as a newspaper editor? Oh, my gosh. Every Friday, the phone rang off the hook. I mean, if they weren't upset about where the paper got thrown, they were upset about the headline, they were upset about somebody wasn't included in the story. Uh, Yeah, it gets a little crazy. And boy, was I in trouble when I didn't show up on Friday because everybody else was taking the phone calls. They needed someone to vent to. Don, that's your job. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. So people read this paper. People really took seriously what was in it. Well, the controversies that they've gone through, you know, from from, uh, sensible gun laws to uh, the development issues to where they're going to put the next restaurant – Reassessment every two years, it rears its ugly head. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you cover that in the book. Yeah, and, is... and, then, and then I love that they, even during the middle of a pandemic and all these other things, they have time to argue about belly buttons. Belly you buttons, know, this is in school. Midriff. The, the, Can young ladies show their navels? I don't think any young men want to show theirs, and that's a good thing. <laughs> Let's just say. So, well, yeah, a lot I'm of controversies. A lot of controversies in the Webster Kirkwood Times. Yeah. And we are talking today to its editor emeritus. That is Don Corrigan. His new book is Amazing Webster Groves. We should mention Don has two readings coming up, both on June 9th, uh, one early in the day from noon to 1 p.m. at the Shepherd Center, then one that evening at the the Novel Neighbor. We have details for that on our website. That's stlonair.show. I want to go back to the phone lines. Uh, Clark is calling from Webster Groves, has some thoughts on this. Clark, hi, you're on St. Louis on the Air. Hey, thank you very much. Um, and Sarah, so sorry to see you go, but um, thank you, Clark. good luck to you in the future. Yes. Don, I, I have not bought your book yet, but I plan on picking up a copy today, actually. And well, just thank you, Clark. Circle back a, a little bit on the North Webster, um, South Webster divide. Mm-hmm. I think that it is a little bit more ingrained than we like to to talk about. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I think that, um, unfortunately, our, our black population is decreasing in percentage. We're down to about 4% now. Mm-hmm. And we had in the, you know, low double digits um, previously. So we're going in the wrong direction. We're becoming whiter and more gentrified. And, and um, it's really saddening to to me. I've lived here about 22 years, um, but it's it's really it's really pretty saddening. And I think a lot of the young people, my kids included, don't want to move back here because of the the trending and in, in how we're becoming whiter hmm. and more uh, affluent. So. Clark, thank you for sharing those thoughts. That's interesting to hear, and that this might be something that that's a turnoff to young people. I, I can see that. I want to go back to the phone lines. Heath is calling from Webster Groves as well. Uh, Heath, hi. You're on St. Louis on the air. Yeah, hi. Uh, my name is Heath. Uh, I moved to Webster in uh, 2008 when we uh, just before we had our first 
child who is now 13 and a half, and he's at uh, he's going to be an eighth grader at Hickson next year. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have another uh, a, a soon-to-be fifth grader at Avery Elementary. Um, yeah, I heard uh, you know just just discussion about uh, sort of the NIMBY um, the NIMBY attitudes in Webster, which. Uh, I definitely uh, see going on. There was a lot of opposition to this uh, Douglas Hill development. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a there was a uh, strong vocalized opposition against uh, duplex ordinance, which would have affected a very small uh, amount of uh, of the city. It was not a citywide uh, ordinance. It was you know you get kind of into wonky details there, but there was a lot of a lot of hay made out of very little, and I think sort of this. This notion that Webster has to, or, you know, has decided not to be Clayton, I think is very true. But I think the the opposite is that we we don't get to remain Webster of the 1950s, which had affordable housing for mm. working class families. Like we can't go back to that. That that's uh, changed. Are, yeah, no matter what houses, Webster has done, that's shifted. Yeah, yeah, but the yeah. fact that, the, that but are, the fact that there okay. are so many people like you that are aware of this and are thinking about it is is I think a plus for the town and, and you could make a difference in Webster Groves on those kinds of issues. Heath, do you feel like people are open to you kind of trying to push that? Like, hey, we we could use some more affordable housing here. I think people are open to it, but then where you know they say that they are open to to more affordable housing, but then when the rubber meets the road, it actually putting the affordable housing somewhere, then you see a lot of opposition come up. We mm-hmm. just we just had a relatively new building built where our old uh, YMCA was located. There was vocal opposition to that. There's a uh, United Church of Christ on Lockwood uh, property that is going up for sale. I imagine that will, uh, you know, probably someone will want to build apartments there, and there will probably be vocal opposition to that. Heath, uh, thank you for, for sharing that perspective. I think he's probably predicting correctly there there would be vocal opposition to that. Um, but, Don, you feel like Webster is at least having these conversations. Yes, and and uh, I don't totally disagree with what he has to say. Uh, I remember when Sholin Brothers burnt down and there was this big space that all of a sudden became available. And, um, I, you know, we covered both sides. We didn't take a position, but... I feel like, um, yeah, an opportunity was lost there because they rejected a development that would have been very much like Kirkwood's, mm-hmm. on the other queen of the suburbs, um, where everybody meets and, and they're outside and, and they're near the iconic train station and all that. Um, and they sort of rejected that, too. It was sort of a NIMBY thing. And now what do they have? They have like a, a bunch of banks. And I, I've got nothing against banks. We need them. Yeah, but, but, but that could have been cooler. Yeah, it could have been cooler. That's yeah. a missed opportunity yeah. right there. Well, it's interesting to think about this city, and I know, Don, you have many conversations about this as you continue to do these book readings and events. I think one of the other things that we would be remiss not to talk about, there's some amazing local lore in this book. you got to tell us about the lawn chair drill team of Helfenstein Avenue. I hope they're practicing now uh you know and that just goes with the community days parade i mean what parade do you have these people that are like doing drills with lawn chairs and you know it's it's unbelievable but the, the i just have the greatest admiration for the city uh officials in webster groves because every year it's a controversy and after it's over people say well why wasn't the the, the republican float why why did that 
get for, why wouldn't the Democrat float in front of it? Or why was that? Or why did these people at the last minute? Or, or I think I mentioned the Baton Bob controversy yeah. when, when he showed up uninvited and was in his usual dress that upset people. Who knew that Community Days was so fraught? But oh. in Webster Groves, it has been. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, one time they had. Uh, you know, the 9-11 conspiracy theorist with the uh, Twin Towers on a float going oh. down, and they were handing out videos of what the true story is behind the Twin Towers, you know. Uh, and that upset a lot of people, but it's First Amendment, free speech, uh, and so that's what we have to deal with. And uh, frankly, as a newsman, I think it's one of the things that makes it kind of fun. But I, I really do uh, sympathize with the city officials who have to take all the flack on that. This is not easy. It's, yeah. a, it's a great tradition. No, the July 4th parade and the, and the festival that the Lions put on down by the pool and stuff, it's, it's really Rockwell Americana July 4th. You know, which is coming up soon. And that Helfenstein Brigade, they better be out there doing their thing. They better be ready for their (laughs) drill team dance. Well, Don Corrigan, I'm sure that you miss editing this newspaper every day as opposed to the the emeritus role you've taken on. Just always a controversy in Webster Groves. There's so much good there. Maybe, you know, also some things that aren't so good, but we're just going to leave it at that. Don Corrigan, thank you for joining us today. Well, thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. episode was produced by Sarah Fenske with audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our production intern is Avery Rogers. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.